Turn with me to Luke chapter 23. Happy Resurrection Day. Happy Easter. It's good to have uh, such a great crowd out. And uh, tell you, it was awesome to see so many baptisms. We've been waiting for that uh, for since, you know, COVID kind of shut some of this stuff down. But it was awesome to see those who get baptized and, and to see lives that have been affected over the years, over, over the course of time here at New Life. And as a father, it was awesome to see my son baptizing people. And as a pastor, it was awesome to see my son and my um, other assistant pastor, Pastor Oswaldo, uh, working together. And uh, I, think, I think what they were doing, working together in baptizing people, is such a great picture of the church, of what we're supposed to be doing as a church, uh, helping, helping others. Uh, Zach, is he in here? Yeah, he's in here. And uh, I'm, uh, he is my oldest son. And I get a little concerned for him sometimes. Zach has uh, Parkinson, sorry, bud, I didn't mean to out you there again. Um, so when he does things like this, um, even though he's a, a older gentleman and buff, uh, I still get I still get concerned. I'm very thankful that Oswaldo was able to be there and that God gave Zach the strength to be able to baptize and then to see our two new daughters. <laughs> I I should have paid him a little more to keep him under a little longer. But uh, it was a joke, people. Come on. Come on. It's Easter. Come on. But, um, and it was great to see the response of the church. And to hear you sing this morning, what an awesome time. What an awesome time. Luke chapter 23 is where we're going to be at. We're, this year, we're talking about, our, our theme for this year is roots. Getting back to our roots as Christians. Getting back to what it is that Jesus teaches us and what he taught us and what he wants us to know getting back to understanding what it means to truly be a Christian. And this day today, what we mark, what we celebrate, you know, we don't necessarily celebrate. I know traditionally it's Good Friday. Honestly, Jesus is probably more than likely crucified on Thursday. Uh, but I know it's tradition to celebrate it on Friday. Uh, that's a day that we, we commemorate and we remember. It's not really a celebration, uh, but today is all about celebrating. Today is about the celebration of the fact that our Savior did what he said he was going to do. He was who he said he was. And he rose from the dead. And because of that, we have hope. And he taught us a lot of things while he was here. In those short, three short years of ministry, Jesus taught a lot. And we're going to be unpacking some of that as we go along these last two weeks, we've taken a little bit of a side trip. Last week, we talked about the triumphal entry and what we could learn about what Jesus did that week. And today, I want to talk about resurrection lessons, things that we can learn, practical lessons that we can take from the way Jesus endured what he went through. It was not easy. Uh, it, was not, uh, it was no fun, I'm sure. But he carried himself and displayed some amazing characteristics and traits for us. But I believe as if, if we'll look at them and dig into them, I think we can find some things that will help us as believers deal with our lives. Not necessarily be happy and lollipops and lemonade and everything is wonderful. Because as, as Jeremy alluded to uh, before singing the song, <coughs> Let's, let's be honest, not everybody's life is wonderful. And the person that you display on Sunday morning is not necessarily the person that you have been growing up. And truth be told, many of us, if, if it were up to what happened to us, we would not be here today. If it, it was up, if it was, it was based on our childhood if it was based on the experiences and the hurts and the pains and the struggles and the, the nastiness of others, and if it was up to the choices that we've made, we wouldn't be here today. But it wasn't up to those things. And, and Jesus has, many of us, he's carried us through. Others he's protected while he waited for us to come back to him. I think even though some of us have had Better, easier lives, I guess I would say, and some have had 
much more difficult lives. There are lessons that we can all learn from what Jesus went through that we can apply to every day. And I, that's what I want to look at today. But I want to read a, a lengthy portion of Scripture today. Luke chapter 23. We're going to read verses 32 through 46. And then we're going to jump to chapter 24. You want to stand with me as we read. This is the account of the crucifixion and the resurrection from Luke's perspective. Two others, criminals, were also led away to be executed with him. When they arrived at the place called the Skull... They crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. They divided his clothes and cast lots. The people stood watching and even the leaders were scoffing. He saved others. Let him save himself if this is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And the inscription was above him, this is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals hanging there to yell insult, uh, began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, don't you even fear God? Since you are undergoing the same punishment, we are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three because the sun's light failed. The curtain of the sanctuary was split down the middle and Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Saying this, he breathed his last. Chapter 24, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying it is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified and rise on the third day? and they remembered his words. You may be seated. I love, I, I love the words of Jesus on the cross. They're all the, the, the sayings, the, the phrase that is finished is, is powerful, and all the, fra all the sayings of, of Jesus. But I'll tell you what, of, of all the, the statements around the resurrection, this one in, in chapter 24, oh man, I just love it. Why are you seeking the living among the dead. That is powerful. That's powerful. This morning we celebrate Easter, Resurrection Day of Jesus. We don't celebrate it because of the event or because of the historical significance. We celebrate this day because it marks the completion of God's redemption for all humanity. And on this day, over 2,000 years ago, as we just read, Jesus rose from the grave, conquered death, conquered hell for all eternity. In doing so, he released from the eternal penalty of sin all those human beings who would choose his way of salvation. Now, over time, this fact has been debated, and many of you probably come from churches or religious backgrounds that debate that whole thing. And uh, debate ends where the Bible begins, I believe. Churches and denominations have forgotten its meaning and twisted it all out of focus and recognition, but the fact remains that on this day, Jesus set the captives free. Jesus, who three days earlier had willingly given his life to ransom the souls of billions of people, was now alive again. It's right, I believe, that we celebrate this day, that we mark it with special recognition in our church, our homes, and in our lives. This is that day that salvation's work was finally finished. I have some quotes for you from some... Uh, Christian uh, teachers and preachers down through the years, Billy Graham said, the entire plan for the future 
has its keys in the resurrection. Harry Ironside, one of my dad's uh, favorites, said, the gospel is the gospel of the risen Christ. There would be no gospel for sinners if Christ had not been raised. Tim Keller, I love this. When I found this quote, I just had to, had to put it in. If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. See, man, that is so, that's what it boils down to. I don't really, this is what I tell people when people want to start um, arguments with me about the Bible. Like, okay, man, I didn't learn this on the internet, all right? This is my job, this is my career, this is my life. I went to college for this, so understand, I know what I'm talking about, and, and I know you, you read an article on the internet, so what's on the internet is true, I get it. Um, but, if, and all these people who say, well, just put it out to the universe, the universe, the, oh, come on, man, really? Anyway, if you don't believe the Bible, why argue about it? Right? If you don't believe the Bible, why argue about it? Why even have an opinion on it if you don't believe it? Because it doesn't matter to you. It just doesn't matter. I take the, up, the other side. I believe the Bible is 100% true from cover to cover. I believe it is the word of God, God's word to humanity, inspired 100%. You really believe that? Yes, I believe that with all my heart. I don't believe there's one part of the Bible you can take out. Old Testament, New Testament. I believe it's all inspired of God. Therefore, it matters to me, and it matters to what I believe. Everything I believe in my life hinges on the fact that on this day over 2,000 years ago, Jesus rose from the dead. Billy Graham also said there's more evidence, and this is true, there's more evidence that Jesus rose from the dead than there is that Julius Caesar ever lived or that Alexander, Great, Alexander the Great died at the age of 33. Clarence Hall said the, resurre in the resurrection of Jesus changes the face of death for all his people. Death is no longer a prison, but a passage into God's presence. Easter says you can put your trust in a grave, but it won't stay there. You can nail it to a cross, wrap it in winding sheets, and shut it up in a tomb, but it will rise. <laughs> I love that. Now, across the the country, across the state, across the world. There's going to be a lot, of pre a lot of sermons preached today and lessons taught about Easter that will point out very important details of these three days. And people will listen and hear and say amen. But my question for all of us here this morning is, will we learn? Will we learn? Easter and Christmas are the two most uh, attended days of church on the calendar, but will we learn that living for Jesus and serving his kingdom goes beyond two days out of the year? That there's more to it. That's my goal this morning. Just like in the week that Jesus experienced before the crucifixion, which he taught valuable lessons, here I believe in Jesus' death and the way he responded and reacted, we can learn much as well. Last week, if you remember, those of you who are here, if you watched online, we learned how to survive a personal crisis, right? Jesus, knowing what he was facing, did specific things throughout that week, surviving that personal crisis and teaching us how to go through amazing difficulties in our lives. This week, I'd like to share with you five important lessons that we learn from Jesus' ordeal of crucifixion that we need for our everyday walk of faith. Jesus didn't come to earth to die for our sins only, although that was his main focus, that was his main purpose. Came to earth to teach us a better way to live. Once you accept Christ as your savior, there's still life to live. There are still people to be reached. People that were baptized today, somebody had to tell them about Jesus at some point in their life. There are many, many, many others that we have in our lives, in our circles of influence that need to know about Jesus, family, friends, co-workers. They need to know. And we are called to live lives that matter for the kingdom of God and reflect Jesus so that others will see their need. 
Jesus came to show us a better way to make a difference and a better way to represent his kingdom. There's so much to look at and to dig out from the last week of Jesus' life, and we're not going to attempt to exhaust it all. But there are some very important principles for his followers to learn and practice that I want to point out this morning. The first one is this. And this wasn't necessarily Jesus, but it was the crowd around Jesus. And it's this. Choices matter. Choices matter. We teach our children that, right? Choices matter. Hey, you little knucklehead, choices matter. You want to chase the ball out of the street? No, no, that car is going to run you over. Choices matter. We teach it about, our, about their friends, right? It's important the friends you choose. It's important the people you hang around with. It's important the places you choose to go. Choices matter. We learned that lesson from the crowd that day because the crowd had the choice, man. They had the option. And they chose a murderer instead of a savior. You understand that? They chose a murderer instead of a savior. Matthew chapter 27 says, verses 20 through 23, the chief priests and the elders, however, persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to execute Jesus. The governor asked them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? Barabbas, they answered. Pilate asked them, what should I do then with Jesus, who is called Christ? They answered, crucify him. Then he said, now listen to this next part, man. Then Pilate says, why? What has he done wrong? If you remember the story, Pilate's wife told Pilate, hey, don't have anything to do with this guy, right? Let him go. I've had a bad dream. I've been tor tormented and tortured in my dreams about this guy. Don't have anything to do with this. Just, just That's why Pilate washed his hands. Now, he could have freed Jesus, but he chose instead to give in to the crowd. And he said, why? What has he done wrong? But they kept shouting all the more, crucify him. You notice something? They never answered why. They never answered Jesus. They never gave him an answer. They never answered Pilate when he said, what has he done wrong? They never said it. They never answered him. They just said, crucify him. Choices matter. Now, I know that was God's plan. I know it was God's plan for redemption that Jesus Christ would die for the sins of, of all humanity. But listen, these folks had a choice. They had a choice at that moment. They didn't have to side with those who hated Jesus. They could have stood up for him. They could have tried to riot. They could have tried to do something to free Jesus. They could have said, no, he's, he's not worthy of death. They could have sided and made a different choice. Can you imagine being witness to the death of the Savior of the world and not understanding nor accepting the full meaning of his death or the saving power of his grace? Can you imagine being one of those soldiers who pulled out his beard or... I don't know about you. I, I'm from a different time. We're different, different mora morality, right, Charlie? Different ethics. I think one of the worst things you could do to a person is spit on them. I think that is so, I think it's vile. I truly do. Now, there may be other things, but that's just, to me, that's just the epitome of just a nasty spirit. And that's what they did to Jesus. Man, they pulled his beard out. I, obviously, there's not much up here to pull out. But I've had my grandkids and I've had other little children. When Gabriel and, Mike came to our, Gabriel and Michael came to our house, they would grab my beard, and it's at different times, it's at different lengths. And I'll tell you what, when they yank it, it's like, oh, that hurts. But I've never had somebody pull my beard hard enough to pull it out from my skin. And that's what they did to him. Choices matter. These, these guys chose to abuse the savior of the world. They chose to reject the savior of the world. And we think, how could they do that? I mean, they, they witnessed it for three years. They watched this guy heal people. Some of these people, you realize, some of these people that cried crucify him had eaten bread and fish 
that he provided. Some of them had watched him heal relatives, family, and friends. And yet at this point, they made the choice to say, crucify him. How could they do that? Well, man, let me ask you this. How can you do that every day of your life? How can you make the choice not to live for the one who died for you? How can you make the choice to deny what he's asked you to do, to simply live a life that matters for eternity? Folks, choices matter. We live in a day and age, I believe with all my heart, we live in a day and age where our time on this earth is short. I truly believe that. You hear about the end times, people laugh about it, they mock it. Listen, you can laugh and mock all you want. We can sit down and have a, talk, have a conversation about, um, about uh, prophecy, and I can show you from Scripture, from the teachings of Jesus, how the times that we're in right now completely mirror what Jesus said the end times are going to look like. Now, that's, I'm not predicting anything. I'm not setting a date. That's not it. But I'm just telling you, as I read it, I think the time is short. Now, short is a debatable point, but be that as it may, we have a job to do. We have a call on our lives. Yet every day, Christians, people who have given their lives to Jesus Christ, make the choice not to live for him, not to serve him, not to make every moment count for him. As we drove in this morning, maybe some of you did as well, we drove through our neighborhood and there were kids out playing with new toys they got for Easter. That's kind of like where we've brought Easter to now as a society. Right? It's like a second Christmas. And it's what's sad for me is, especially in our area, which is post-Christian now, so many of these kids that get these toys and these, this candy and whatnot don't understand what today is all about. Because many of them, their parents don't understand what it's all about. They've never been told what it's all about. Maybe you are watching this morning. Maybe you've joined us this morning here live and, and you've heard a lot about Easter, but you don't really understand what it's about. Listen, man, choices matter. When we get down here a little bit, we're gonna talk about choosing Jesus. Christian, choices matter in your life. The choice you make on how to live and what path to take in your life. Second thing I, lesson I learned from Jesus here is that you don't always have to fight, but you do have to stand. Now, I'm a chase. We, there's a certain I don't know, certain trait, certain characteristic about us that um, some find appealing, others find appalling, appealing. right? We, um, how do I put this nicely? We're very opinionated and, uh, and we let you know it. <laughs> we have no problem sharing our opinions we have no problem winning a I mean, talking and debating. We have a problem losing a debate. I'm, bringing, I'm slowly bringing my, the rest of my family around. We'll eventually get them all to wear Dodger blue and Rams blue. That's right. That's right. That's what Jesus wears. <laughs> Telling you, man. Telling you, man. It's all about, it's all about the Savior. Praise God. But listen, you don't always have to stand. You don't always have to fight, but you do have to stand. As a kid, hearing the stories about Jesus, one thing just jumped out at me. It was prophesied in Isaiah 53, and then it was lived out and played out during this week. Jesus didn't speak out. He didn't fight. He didn't defend himself. He just stood. Matthew 27, verses 12 through 14, says, while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he didn't answer. <laughs> while he was being accused, how many of us would stand there and let people make false accusations about us and not speak up? 
In fact, we'll interrupt people to make sure that we get our, our word in edgewise, right? We will, we'll jump to, the, but Jesus, why, why was that? Because Jesus knew his purpose. Because Jesus knew there was a plan. Because Jesus knew that these things had to happen. Listen, there are times where we need to speak up. There are times that we need to make an argument, make a defense for the gospel of Christ. But there are other times in your life where some things happen that just don't matter. We have twin sons. Twin sons, I mean, boys to begin with are just, they're a different species. Yes, I'm not sure if you know this. Biologically and scientifically, there are male and female. By the way, that's it. Um, and boys are, are different, okay, when it comes to raising them. Drew, Aylin, you have a little boy now. Yes, he's an angel. Yeah, yeah, okay. Stop giving him Benadryl. And, <laughs> all right? I pray to God that all these young families that are having children right now have one boy and then have another. Because, because it is a special time when those boys... <laughs> Just, and, and with twins, as I've said before, with twins, there's no pecking order, right? Gabriel likes to brag, I'm eight minutes older. Whoa, eight minutes, that's commercials, right? <laughs> These two, they will argue over anything. It doesn't matter. They, you can ask Maya and Autumn, they've been with us now for four months, Gabriel and Michael will argue, and now the, the girls are here, they're just like, they're just feeding the fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they know how. They know how. Don't, you think they're angels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm leaving all four to you folks in my will. They're all on you. They just don't stop, man. They just have to argue over everything. And that's the way we are sometimes in our lives. And are we reflecting Jesus? And listen, I'm not talking about when you're having a conversation. I'm talking about sometimes, folks, you just need to know how to keep your mouth shut. You just need to know when not to speak. There are times when people, and I know there's it's nobody in this auditorium, but there are people in our lives that wake up in the morning just looking for a fight, right? Right? They just, you woke up on the wrong side of the bed, the right side of the bed, I don't care which side of the bed you woke up on, you just woke up looking for a fight. You know, Jesus wouldn't give them a fight. Sometimes you don't have to speak, but you do have to stand. Jesus didn't cower, he didn't cringe, he didn't, he didn't fall away, he stood. And when, when Pilate said, are you the king of the Jews? He says, that's what you said. He stood, he stood there, he took it, and it was love that caused him to stand. Jesus didn't call you to defend him. You understand that? Jesus didn't call you to defend him. He called you to live for him. He said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all people to me. Didn't call you to defend him. He called you to live for him. Now, defending your faith, that's different. Defending what you believe, but Jesus didn't call you to get into a fight over whether he exists or not. He called you to live for him. That distinction can be the difference between success and failure for your witness. What this means is keep the most important things at the forefront. Stop getting into religious arguments over foolishness and understand that people are dying and going to hell, not because of choices they've made in their life, but because of the choices they've made not to accept Jesus as their savior. See, as Christians, we want to march and hold signs that say, God hates whatever. <laughs> and first of all, don't speak for God because his word does that. And that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says Jesus loves everybody and died for everybody. The Bible says that Jesus accepts everybody that will come to him. Whosoever will may come. So don't try to defend God when you're not really sure what his word says. Rather, live for him. 
Live a life that matters. Live a life of purpose. Live a life of principle according to the word of God. And see the difference that that allows to be made in your life. The third lesson I learned, and this one is such a tough one, obedience is important. Obedience is important. Parents raising children today, if there's one lesson, if if there's one piece of advice I could give you, it's this. And I know it's going to go completely against what many are teaching today because it's all personal autonomy and you don't want to hurt the kid's psyche, blah, blah, blah. Teach your kids to obey. Man, teach your kids to obey. I'm serious. What part of life are they going to go into where they do not have to obey somebody? Well, I have the, yeah, you can be unemployed and live in a tent by the side of the road or down in the old van by the river. Chris Farley, right? You can make that choice. Or you can choose to learn how to follow leadership. Well, I'm following leadership, but that's obedience, okay? Those of us who went in through the military know that, uh, they, and, and my drill, I don't know what it was like for Jonathan and some of the others who went through, my drill sergeant, Staff Sergeant Huddicourt, still remember the man's name because he haunts my dreams, okay? He told us straight up, he says, I don't care. I'm your mother, I'm your father, I'm your girlfriend. You call your congressman, I don't care. I'll throw you down the stairs. I don't care. He said that. I'm just, I'm just telling you the truth. This was before they gave you the cards to hold up that said, I'm feeling stressed right now. He said, my job is not to make you happy. My job is to drill the civilian out of you and then to build up a soldier. I was like, okay, sir. <laughs> Makes sense. And in order to get through basic training and then in order to serve honorably as a soldier in the United States Army, I had to learn how to obey orders. In order to be a solid follower of Jesus Christ, a successful soldier in the army of God, I need to learn how to obey. I need to learn how to obey. His teaching, his leading, his path. Obedience is important. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8 tell us this about Jesus. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even to death on a cross. You know what Jesus did? One thing we leave out, I know there are some denominations that do this, but one thing we leave out of uh, communion or last supper is feet washing. You ever read that? Ever read that part of the story where Jesus washed the feet of the disciples? And it's not... uh, Aaron, Aaron tells me, you know, my feet are not pleasant. She has no problem telling me that. But it's nothing compared to these folks back then. They wore sandals. Jesus Nikes, right? They wore sandals. And they walked on dusty roads. And the sweat and the dust and the mud combined. And, and their feet were nasty. They were dirty. And Jesus took the form of a servant, became a servant, and he washed their feet. Showed amazing humility and obedience to the plan of God. And that's all he asks of us. Listen, you, are, you may not have been called to be a missionary far across the sea. You may not have been called to be uh, a teacher, anything like you're afraid of doing in the church, but you are called to stand and serve. You are called to live a life of purpose and principle according to the word of God that matters for the kingdom of God. Obedience is important. Go back to point number one, choices matter. Your choice to be obedient to the call of God on your life is important. Why is it important? Because the eternity of others 
hangs in the balance. The eternal souls of others hang in the balance. People need to hear about Jesus, and you're the opportunity they have. You may, as the old song says, you may be the only Jesus some will ever see. You may be the words of life some will ever read. Obedience is important. Paul called himself a prisoner. He called himself a slave. He called himself a bondservant of Jesus Christ. What was a bondservant? A bondservant was actually a slave who had served his time and was now free. But the bondservant chose to be a slave to the master. And they would, once, once a bondservant made that choice, they would take him over to a post and they took a, a ring and they would hammer a, a, an earring into their ear to show that they were the bondservant of this master. And Paul said, as his relationship to Jesus Christ was represented, he says, I am a bondservant, a chosen slave to the will of God. Obedience to God's way and God's call matters. God's way is not the path of least resistance. Sometimes it's the path of greatest challenge and difficulty. But know that your obedience to his call on your life has an eternal purpose that matters for his kingdom. Lives will be changed because you were obedient. Do you understand that? Lives will be changed because you were obedient. Your obedience to his call is important. The fourth one is probably the toughest one. Okay? I'm just telling you. Get ready. It's the toughest one. I don't understand it. I, I don't know how. I, I don't understand such love. I don't understand such courage. I don't understand it. But forgiveness is your best weapon. Sorry, man. I don't get it. I don't get it. But forgiveness is your best weapon. <laughs> Luke 24, 32 through 34, we read this already. Two others, criminals, were also led away to be executed with him. When they arrived at the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right, one on the left. Then Jesus said, how in the world can you say this? After everything they've done, they've spit on you, they pulled your beard out, they put a crown of thorns on you, you're bleeding. Your back has been ripped apart. You've been beaten with, not only was he whipped with, uh, uh, with whips, he was beaten with rods, man. He took so much, I don't know, how in the world is he still standing? The physical abuse that Jesus took, the emotional abuse the mental torture and anguish. Yet on the cross, he says this, Father, forgive them. I mean, that's not enough, okay? That's not enough for, for him. He has to go on. He says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's absolutely ridiculous, right? That's how we look at it, because that's how we live. Ain't no way I'm forgiving that person. You have no idea what they did to me. You have no idea. Pastor John, you grew up, you, and you've said it before, Pastor John, you grew up in Mayberry RFD. Your life was wonderful. You, uh, you know, wonderful little life growing up in white suburbia and all this wonderful stuff. And uh, you, had a, you had a charmed life growing up on Navy bases. Blah, 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 blah. You have no idea the literal hell on earth that I had to grow up with. And I don't, man. I don't. I don't understand it. Can I be honest with you? I don't understand how an adult can be brutally ugly and vicious and nasty to a child. And let me tell you something, man. I gotta be honest with you. I am not, if, if, you're, if this is your first time here or you've, you're pretty new here, you'll learn about me that I'm not your typical pastor. Um, 
I express my feelings a lot. And I, if, if I had my choice of jobs, it would be to be the hammer of God. I'd give me Doc's time machine and let me go back in time and find these so-and-sos before they abused the child. These, I can't even call them men, who think it's okay to impose their lustful will on a child. You'll never find the body. I promise you that. I can't stand it. I can't stand the idea. I can't stand the thought. I can't stand it. Jesus said, forgive them. Now, for a lot of this, I would not go on to say what he said. They don't know what they're doing because what Jesus was saying is these people don't really realize they're, sac they're, they're killing the Savior of the world. And they also don't realize that they are fulfilling the prophecy and, and causing the greatest sacrifice of all time to be made. So they didn't understand the, ma the, the macro sense of what Jesus was, was going through and what was happening there. I can't say that about the ones who abused you. I can't say that about the, the, the losers that came into your life and made a mess of your life, ladies, and then decided to take off. Gentlemen, I can't say that about the women who came in and, and just destroyed your life and continue to destroy your life and just take off. I can't say that because quite honestly, those people know exactly what they're doing. I won't excuse what abusers do, but I will say this, forgiveness is not for them, forgiveness is for you. Because you will be trapped in the prison of anger and bitterness of unforgiveness until you can finally say, I'm going to let it go. It's tough, it's tough. I, Gabriel and I are a lot alike and Zach is a lot like me. We are protectors, okay? We're protectors. I'm not tall, I'm not much of anything, but I'm a dog in a fight, man. And I, I protect, I, I, it's my job, it's, it's my chosen job to protect others who need help, okay? I, that's, just, that's just what I feel I need to do. And, and can you believe people mock you for that nowadays? Uh, yeah, you do need to be stood up for, okay? Just stop. But more than somebody standing up for you, that may feel good on the outside to see that person get what, quote unquote, they deserve. You need to forgive for yourself. First of all, because it's obedience to God's will. He says, forgive those who wrong you. The reason he says that is because there is a greater purpose, listen to this, there's a greater purpose for your life than to live miserably in bitterness. You understand that? There's a greater purpose for your life according to God's plan than for you to live in miserable bitterness for the rest of your life. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to enjoy the fellowship of other Christians. He wants you to enjoy his blessings. He wants you to enjoy his love and his grace. And he wants you to live a life that shines the example and the grace of, of grace and love to a world that needs him. And the way you start doing that is by getting yourself to a place where you can at least start praying about forgiving the ones who wronged you. Listen, I think we get it wrong. I see, I see uh, people who, uh, parents of, of kids in, in school shootings and the, 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 the cameras are shoved in their face and they're like, how do you feel about this person? Well, oh, I, I forgive them. You, can't, you, you just can't do that right at that moment because you don't understand, you're still in shock, you don't understand. Forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness is a process that you have to go through to where you get to a point where you confront what was done. And you understand you have a choice of living over here in bitterness and anguish and ugly for the rest of your life or living free. Listen, I'm not telling you that the memories aren't gonna haunt you. What I'm saying is if you choose forgiveness, 
then the power of Jesus will be there to say, yes, that happened, but my blood covers it, and I've got you. I've got you. I can heal those wounds. I can heal those hurts. We can put it behind us, and we can move forward in victory. We can do it. We can do it. Yes, you're always going to bear the scars. They're always going to be there. But the scars will be scars of victory, not defeat. Because the enemy wants to defeat you. The enemy wants to keep you in prison, the prison of unforgiveness. But Jesus came to set the captives free, my friend. Learn how to forgive. When they mocked and beat him and crucified Jesus, his response was to forgive them and to die for their sins. Wow. Why do we forgive? We don't forgive because they deserve it. We don't forgive because it makes us the bigger person or because it makes you or even God look good. Forgive others because forgiveness is your best weapon against bitterness and failure and because it is simply the right thing to do. Forgive others because it's what Jesus did. Lastly, the true message of Easter, everyone is welcome at the foot of the cross. Everyone is welcome. Listen, Christians, we've done this to ourselves, right? We, we have done this because we're, we're divided. I don't know if you know this, um, everybody that's here, because we're, considered, we're, we're an evangelical church, that's where we would fall. You're all supposed to be right-wing Republicans. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you that. George, come on, man, come on, Diff Cliff. I'll tell you, listen, listen, listen. It, you, you, Charlie, you guys, you, along, with, along with being Dodgers fans and Rams fans, you're supposed to be right-wing Republicans because that's what the world says about us, right? That's how, that's how the world classifies us. We're all supposed to fit, but we're not. We're all different. We're all different. Here in this church, we don't talk about politics much. You may like, talk about it over coffee or something, but you know why? Because we're kind of split down the middle here, <laughs> truly. And then we've got a whole section of people who just really don't care. <laughs> so we don't talk about things that really don't matter. What we do is try to understand what our purpose here is. And that purpose is to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our purpose is not to hate others. Our purpose is not to take, let, you know, let me tell you why we don't take political stands. Because once you take a political stand, you have now divided an entire section of the community. Listen to me, you believe what you want. You vote the way you want. I don't particularly care. Can I be honest with you? Some of you will hate me for this. Some of you will think I'm a jerk. Some of you will, will try to rail on me for being a poor citizen. You know who I voted for for president? Drew, I'm telling you, dead serious. You know who I voted for because he's still alive? Sandy Koufax. I voted for Sandy Koufax for president last year. That's exactly, I'm telling you the truth, man. Voted for Sandy Koufax. Who was that? He was the greatest, greatest left-handed pitcher in the history of baseball. He happened to pitch for a little team called the Dodgers. Okay? And I, I voted the left hand of God, exactly. You say, well, that's ridiculous. How could you do that? You know what I thought was even more ridiculous? Voting for one of the knuckleheads on the ballot. I'm just telling you, that's exactly how I feel. That was my statement to myself saying, none of this matters. What matters is eternity in heaven. And it doesn't matter who I vote for because they're all criminals. They're all corrupt. They're all going to go the wrong way. They're all going to do something terrible. What matters is that I stand for truth, justice, and the word of God and try to live according to that word to reach people for the gospel with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You do with that as you may. It's entirely up to you. We are called to love people, not to tell people that God hates them. We are called to bring people together. Now, I have opinions. Don't get me wrong. I have opinions on, on morality and ethics. Don't get me wrong, I truly do. And if we want to sit down and debate those and talk about them, I will have those conversations. And I get involved with the school system. I get involved with the town. I, I let my voice be heard. 
But I don't let that divide me from other people. Just because I disagree with you on whether we need a sidewalk on the right side of the road or the left side of the road is not going to cause me to put a division between you and eternity. Because what you need more than my opinion on sidewalks is Jesus Christ. And what I learn here, look, sometimes sit down and read the four Gospels that are harmonized together about the crucifixion, about the day there at the cross. And look who was there. There were the Jewish leaders, man, the ones who hated Jesus and wanted him dead. They tried to stone him. They tried to throw him off a cliff, tried to do all kinds of things. They paid people to murder him. I mean, they did all kinds of things to try to get rid of him. And now they're mocking him at the foot of the cross. He was dying for their sins right there. Get that? He's dying for their sins, and they're mocking him. They were welcome at the foot of the cross. They still are. The two murderers hanging next to him, criminals who got exactly what they deserved, they were welcome. The Roman soldiers who really didn't care. In fact, the Roman soldiers, they drew lots. They threw dice to see who got Jesus' robe. They were welcome there. The women who followed him, his mother, who knew more than anybody else, more than any human being ever born, Mary knew, knew that he was the son of God. She was welcome there. His disciples, now the disciples, man, the 12, the, well, the 11, because Judas had, had denied him and Judas had, had uh, betrayed him. And at this time, Judas had hung himself and, and died. So the 11, they were welcome there. These are the 11 guys that, that left him in the garden. Remember that? They ran away. Peter was welcome there. Peter, the guy that denied three times. And he was told, Jesus told him, man, Peter, listen, man, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Not me, not me. Boom, boom, boom. It happened. He was welcome. Gawkers, onlookers. Everybody was welcome. And today, in the memory of the cross, in the work of redemption that was done on that cross, everybody is welcome. You say, well, <laughs> yeah, not me. I'm not welcome there. You have no idea what I've done with my life. I don't, I don't know. And you know what? I don't mean this Disrespectfully, I don't know. And as far as being welcome at the cross, I don't care. Because Jesus says you're welcome. Well, you know, maybe some of you said in times past, if I walk in that church, the whole roof is going to cave in. Well, it's still standing. You're welcome at the foot of the cross. And this is where, and I'm going to say it, this is where a lot of hardcore right-wing Christians get it wrong. Listen, white, black, brown, welcome at the foot of the cross. Straight, gay, welcome at the foot of the cross. How can you say that? How can you say, I can say that because the Bible says so. I don't care what your opinion is on people's lives. The Bible says the only choice that matters for your eternity is what you will do with Jesus. Will you accept him or reject him? See, we get hung up on sin, right? We get hung up on what people do or what they've done. Jesus doesn't get hung up on that. Jesus spread his arms and died. He said, man, I died for your sins. I don't care what it is you've done. I died for your sins. Can I just tell you something? Can I, I don't, once again, I'm not making excuses for people. Can I tell you this? Sinners are going to sin, right? They're sinners. They're saying, Listen, a baseball player is going to hit a ball. They're going to catch a ball. They're going to throw a ball. That's what they do. Sinners are going to sin. Stop getting hung up on what they present themselves as and realize that they are lost and dying and on their way to hell without Jesus. And that's all that matters. That's all that matters. 
Revelation 22, 17 says, but the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who, deserve, who desires the water of life, take the water of life freely. Why is everybody welcome at the foot of the cross? Man, because true love conquers all. True love conquers all, man. It conquers your past. It conquers your present. It conquers your failures. It conquers your defeats. It conquers your disappointments. It conquers your false truth. Why? Because John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only son, that whoever, whoever, that whoever, man, believes in him should not perish, will not perish, but has eternal life. What are you talking about, Pastor John? Listen, I've been talking here about not judging people, not holding people's past against them. I, I mean everything I've said, but you've got to agree with me. on one. Listen, if you're here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior. If you don't know what I'm talking about, if you just came here to see somebody get baptized, just came here to get a family member or a friend off your back, you just came here to do your religious duty about being in church once, uh, once of the two times you're going to come. If you're watching us online because you didn't come out to church today, you couldn't come out, whatever. I'm not judging you. I'm not telling you you're a terrible person, but you have to meet me halfway with this. You are a sinner. Okay? You are a sinner. You have to meet me that halfway. Oh, you're judging me. No, I'm not. I'm not judging you. Why are you a sinner? Because you've broken the law. I didn't break any law. It's not like I drove 55 in a 25 zone not that i would ever do that <laughs> even though even though i drive the fastest minivan on the market that's right that's right honda odyssey that's right my wife tries to calm me down a little bit she says it doesn't look anything like a minivan it looks like a minivan for crying out loud <laughs> my gosh i need new brakes on my truck i still drive the thing because i don't want to be caught in the minivan if i don't have to We're not talking about breaking the law of men. You're a sinner because you've broken God's law. What law? Well, to start with, let's check out the Ten Commandments. Okay? The Ten Commandments are very, very pretty clear. Don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat. Those kind of things. Listen, if you've lied one time in your life, even when, it was mom, when mom said, did you take the cookie, and you said no, and you did because the crumbs are all over your shirt and the chocolate's still on your face, that's a lie. Okay, Jesus doesn't say big sin, little sin. The Bible says all sin is sin in the eyes of God. And sin doesn't make you a horrible person. Sin simply breaks fellowship between you and God. All that means is that there is a divide between you and God. That's why Jesus died on the cross, because of our sin. So listen, you have to meet me halfway here. You're a sinner, okay? Not judging, you're not a bad person. I think you're wonderful. You probably make great blueberry muffins. I think you're awesome. But the fact of the matter is you're a sinner. Because of that, there are some consequences. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned. For all have sinned. That's all inclusive. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God or the standard of God. Of God. Everyone has sinned. And because of our sin, we fall short of God's standard. What's God's standard? God's standard is righteousness. God's standard is being right. God's standard is being, is being able to be seen as holy and just in his eyes. We can't be that way. We don't have the ability. In fact, our sin has a penalty, has a consequence. Romans 6.23, for the wages of the payment of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, we all, you know, many of us work, we get a paycheck, right? Lord help the boss that doesn't give you the right amount of money in your paycheck, right? Why? Because you expect an honest day's work for an honest day's pay, right? You expect to get paid for what you do. Well, man, when it comes to sin, we just need to expect what, what the, the way the payment the wages of sin are, and it's death. 
Death physically, but more importantly, death spiritually. See, you're alive physically, but if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, your spirit is dead. It has not been risen like Jesus was risen from the dead. Your spirit is dead. And that would be terrible if that's where it was left. That would be terrible if that's the situation that we were left in, but it's not. Because Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his love toward us. God shows his love towards all humanity by this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what the crucifixion's all about. Why didn't Jesus fight? Why didn't he stand up? Why didn't he speak out? Because he knew that this was his purpose. He had to die for the sins. The Bible says one sacrifice for sins forever. Jesus had to die to pay the price for our sins. We couldn't pay the price. Listen, if you died for your sins, you'd be dead. You would never be able to, to, to rejoice or live in the freedom that death for your sins gives. Jesus paid the price so that by dying, you might live. Well, that all sounds really good, but... What do I have to do about it? You know, it's all been done for you. The price has been paid. There's one last thing that we as humans are responsible for when it comes to becoming a Christian. When it comes to accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior, when it comes to being forgiven of our sins and receiving the gift of eternal life. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Bible says Jesus died for your sins. Bible, said you, Bible says that you need a savior, and he is there waiting. He's offering you the gift of eternal life. All you have to do is receive it. Like Christmas morning, right? Christmas morning, there's presents under the tree. For most of us, somebody has shopped for that. Somebody has chosen that. Somebody has wrapped it and they've put it under the tree and they've put your name on it. That gift was bought for you. That gift was wrapped for you. That gift was marked for you. And that gift is there waiting for you, but it doesn't become yours until you receive it, until you take possession of it. And it's the same way with the eternal life of Jesus Christ. He died for you. He paid the price for your sins. But all you have to do now is receive it. Listen, my friend, nobody's calling you a horrible person. Nobody's saying you're terrible. Nobody's saying you're the worst person in the world. All I'm saying is that you're a sinner in need of a savior. And the reason Jesus died on the cross, the greatest lesson that we can all learn from the crucifixion and the res resurrection of Jesus Christ is this. There is a savior for you. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. I, folks, I know we went long, but what a great day it's been in church. Truly, what a great day. I just want to ask a question. This morning, nobody's looking around, it's just you, me, and God. But I wonder this morning, we've, we've talked about, uh, about living for Jesus and We've talked about accepting him as their savior. And some of you may not understand that. Maybe you're online and you're watching and you, you've, you've never accepted, you've never received Jesus Christ as your savior. And nobody's looking around. I wonder if you would raise your hand this morning and say, Pastor John, would you please pray for me? I've never prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and save me. If you're online, you can just type that in or, or hit the raise your hand button there. Is there anybody? Say, I would ne I'd ne I've never asked Jesus Christ into my heart. Listen, this morning, receiving Jesus Christ into your heart is, is simply as, is, is as easy as this. Praying a prayer and asking Jesus to forgive your sins and to give you the gift of eternal life. It would go something like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that there's nothing I can do to get myself to heaven. I know that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. I accept your gift of eternal life and I accept you into my heart.
Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. With your head still bowed and your eyes still closed. If you, raise, if you prayed that prayer, you can raise your hand. If you're online, you can, uh, if, you want, if you want to, you can say yes online. And we're not gonna come and, we just wanna rejoice with you. I'm not gonna come and point you out. But it's the greatest decision you can make. Hey, Christian, how are you living for Jesus? What are you showing this world? And what is keeping you from being the greatest follower that you can be? How are you representing Easter all year round? We talk about wanting it to be Christmas year round. Man, I wish we could live in the power of Easter every day. And we can. I wonder if you'd raise your hand this morning and say, Pastor John, would you pray for me? That I'd be a more consistent, powerful witness. And the power of the resurrection will live in me throughout the week. Anybody raise your hand? Thank you so much for the honesty. Thank you for those hands. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for all that you've done for us. God, thank you for those who took the step of baptism. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for the joy that's been here today. Lord, and thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins. We're not worthy. We don't deserve it. Still, you give your love away. Lord, may we remember the rest of this day what this day is truly all about. And may we live in the power of your resurrection and your salvation. Open doors for us this week. Give us wisdom to walk through. Give us vision to see. And may we live for you in a way that is powerful and honest. In your name we pray, amen.